0: Hey kiddo, welcome to the Inspire to Engage podcast, where we talk marketing for small business owners, how we can serve our existing clients well, and ways for us to engage more with potential clients. And of course, we'll talk some about the juggles and struggles to do all of this while still having a life. I'm your host, Rachel Eubanks, and I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome to this Episode on SEO and SEM. Now, this is not necessarily a sexy topic to talk about, but it's one that us business owners want to know more about. I talk to a lot of clients and fellow business owners who are working to make their website more robust and more search engine friendly. That's what this episode is about. So I brought on my friend and SEO and SEM expert, Monique Adonudia. She is going to share her knowledge and boy, does she know a lot. Now, don't worry. Don't be frustrated. Don't be scared. She and I both work very hard to bring it down into terms that we all will understand. Believe me, if I'm in the conversation, I definitely want it brought down to something that I understand. Now, Most of us are familiar with that term, but we're not sure how to apply it to our websites. And I'm talking about the term SEO. We're also going to talk about SEM briefly in this conversation. But that's what this podcast episode is about. How do we apply that little bit of knowledge to our websites to make them much stronger and much more user-friendly, which Monique talks about a lot in this episode as a huge component of SEO. Now, there are a couple of phrases that you are going to hear Monique or I mention in this conversation. We do define them in the middle of the conversation, but I think that it may make more sense if I go in and talk about a couple of them right now. First, one of the words you're going to hear, and we're going to say it a lot, is the word crawl. Picture a toddler learning to crawl and going all over your house, looking into the garbage cans, the toilets, all the places to learn what is going on here. Well, that is what crawl also means when we're talking websites. We're talking about the bots that are search engine bots, and they really do need to crawl our websites. They need to get in there and go to all of the places to figure out what is this website about. So you're going to hear us use the word crawl. A second word you're going to hear is minify. Now I admit I was not familiar with that term. We're going to use it when we're talking about increasing the load speed of our pages of our website pages. Now the simplest analogy that I could that I could think of when talking about minify, think about the word picture. If I said, oh my goodness, that was a gorgeous picture of you. And then later in a text, I wrote, oh my goodness, that was a gorgeous pic of you. So I shortened the word picture in the text without changing the meaning. Another example is vegetable. You'll hear people say veggie. That didn't change the meaning of the word. Well, that's what minify means in the website world. It means a bit of code that then takes large amounts of code and shrinks it. It doesn't change the meaning of the code. It just makes it load faster. So you will hear the phrase minify. And a third phrase that you're going to hear Monique use a lot is CMS. That stands for content management system. And that phrase means the platform where we build our content. So sometimes you may hear, hear me say, what platform are you building your website on? So Monique uses the phrase CMS, content management system. She definitely knows way more about this than I do. So learn something new from her today. Okay, without further ado, here is a great conversation. It's part one of two about SEO and how we as small business owners can apply it to make our websites more search engine friendly. Okay, here it is. Monique, I'm so excited to have you here. I am telling you this morning, I was prepping for this podcast and I opened up my email and there sitting in it were notes that you had written yesterday afternoon. I wish you could have seen my face. This huge smile came across it. I just want to tell you, thank you so much for the preparation that you have done for this podcast. I was amazed. I was already excited to talk to you. And then when I saw that preparation, I cannot explain how excited and how appreciative I am. So I want to tell you, thank you first. And I want to say that I have brought Monique on today because she is an expert in a topic of SEO. It's something that most of us business owners, we know just a little bit about. We've heard that phrase SEO, but we don't really know how to apply it to our own websites. So I have brought on an expert and I'm so excited to have her here. Monique, I want you to introduce yourself, and then I am going to tell the audience a funny story about how you and I came to be on this podcast together, okay? So introduce yourself first. (laughs) Hi, everybody. I'm Monique
1: Adimudia. I'm the founder of the Dragon Digital Marketing Agency, so we're focused on helping small businesses grow through inbound digital marketing, and we do that by building websites and helping them with their email marketing and social media marketing and SEO, too. So that's what we do. And you're welcome, Rachel. I like to be prepared. I'm taking it seriously. I want you to have a nice podcast episode for your listeners. I think this is going to be great. I'm very excited too. So let's
0: talk SEO. <laughs> I know we're about to. But before we go in, I want to share. Monique and I came to know each other. Kind of a funny story. She and I are both fans of Anne Hanley. Anne Hanley wrote the book everybody writes. And I'm telling you, Monique and I both believe this. Everybody writes. We get a lot of pushback from that in our field where people, business owners tell us, no, you just don't understand. I'm not a writer. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Everybody writes. And so I'm on Ann Hanley's newsletter. And so about a month ago, month and a half ago, I'm reading her newsletter. I scroll to the bottom and Ann Hanley has this section called love notes. And it's where she is thanking people for who have had her on as a guest on their podcast or has allowed her to guest blog on their website or maybe has promoted her book like everybody writes and there i find Dragon Digital Marketing and Monique right there and i have been looking for somebody to come on this podcast to talk about SEO and SEM and so i started stalking Monique a little bit reading about her reading about her on her website and i finally just went for it. I just emailed her and said, Hey, I know this is kind of strange, but I got to know you through Ann Hanley's newsletter. And she said, she immediately wrote back and said, I didn't know she had a newsletter, but I'm on it now. (laughs) So that's, that's a fun story about how you and I came to be together. Let's talk for a second. What is SEO for those that have heard the term, but they're not quite clear on it.
1: Right. So SEO, it stands for Search Engine Optimization, and it basically just means optimizing your website for search engines so you can rank in Google. It's the practice of increasing the quantity and the quality of search traffic to your website through search engines like Google. And it's a couple of digital marketing tactics and practices. It can get technical, but there's also a lot of basic things that everybody can do by themselves to improve their SEO.
0: That's right. We definitely need experts like Monique because there are things that can get very technical, but that's what this podcast episode is about. Monique has worked really hard to come up with things that a solopreneur can handle on their own right now that's going to get their website heading in the right direction. So thank you so much for that. Let me ask you this too. I Mm -hmm. see this term a lot. What is S-E-M?
1: Okay, SEM, that stands for Search Engine Marketing, and basically that's the generic term that describes all marketing that's done in search engines. So if you do any type of marketing in search engines, you do search engine marketing or SEM, and SEO is a part of that, right? So SEO is a component of SEM, and SEM also includes other components like paid search, right? Like pay-per-click advertising, those are the ad search results that you can see on top of the organic search results or sometimes below them too. And it says ads, so You can see that it's an ad and um, that's paid search. And that's also part of SEM.
0: Okay. So SEO would be the, I don't know if this is a organic. great analogy, but it'd be more organic that right. you've got everything heading in the right direction. Your site is optimized for the search engine. And then, If you choose to do paid advertisement, that also falls underneath SEM, search engine marketing. Exactly,
1: so SEO is organic, it's free, you optimize your website and you set yourself up for success and then you can rank organically in the organic search results and you don't have to pay for it, right? Google doesn't take your money to rank you on top of the search results. That's not how they make their money. They make their money solely through ads. So if you don't rank on top of the search results organically yet, you can buy ads and then be at the top through ads to paying for that. So ads are paid and SEO is organic, it's free.
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you for that description. So let me ask you this. You've defined what SEO is, is search hmm. engine optimization. Right. What are a couple of things that small business owners can do to make their website search engine optimized. And before I go much further, I will tell you that Monique had this great idea for towards the end of this podcast, we're going to look at a specific website and we're going to look at a product-based business an e-commerce business. But tell us in general, what are some things that small business owners can do to make their website search engine optimized? Right, Um, so the first thing that everybody has to ensure is that
1: the website can be crawled. The way that search works, for the ones that don't know, is it's basically three steps. There's crawling, and then the second step is indexing, and then the third step is ranking and serving. So in order to rank in the search results and in order for Google to be able to serve your web page in the search uh, results, it has to be crawled first by their bot and then indexed and be incorporated in their index, and then can be ranked and served. So the first step is the ranking, and you have to ensure that because without that, you can't even get to the second or third step. could be that you accidentally black Google Googlebot and you don't know, or it could be that your page isn't indexed. So you can submit your page to Google and make Google crawl your page. You can request crawling with a free tool by Google. It's called Search Console. Google search console you can sign up. It's totally free. It's It's by Google and make sure that your pages can actually be crawled and indexed. So that's the first step, because if you don't ensure that, then anything else that you're going to do could be all for nothing. It could go all in vain. So you want to make um, sure that um, you're set up correctly. That's a great mm-hmm. point. Right. And that's like the prerequisite for anything else that you do.
0: Right for everything. Okay, so let me just say this one more time. Monique did a great job. Use Google Search Console to make sure that our sites are being crawled first. Means there the bots have to be there, and then after they have been crawled, then it can be indexed. Basically, Google can say, "Hey, oh, I see that you're here," and there, then then you can talk about ranking and being and where you're at in proximity to other. Okay. That's brilliant. So Google search console, like she said, it's free and check your site. It it takes you through the steps of how to check your site or how to submit it to be crawled. Okay. Exactly. Thank you. Prerequisite. That has to happen. Okay. So after we've made sure that's happened, Monique, another thing or two that we need to be doing.
1: Okay. So now that your pages can actually rank there's a couple of things that everybody can optimize themselves. So the first thing will be mobile friendliness. Ensure that your pages are responsive on mobile devices. That means that people on their tablets and their smartphones can access your web pages and also still have a good user experience, just like your desktop visitors. That is very important. User experience is one of the most important things. You want to satisfy your users and have happy users and don't frustrate them. And Google likes to see that too. It's the Google ranking factor. So responsiveness on mobile devices is really important.
0: And that's a great point because most of us, as we work on our website, most Mm -hmm. of us work on it on our desktop. So we'll get really happy about the way our website looks. Most website platforms, and I'm assuming WordPress as well, has an option for you to go and look at it. What does it look like on a mobile device? Or right. per save and pull up your phone and look yourself. Because right. sometimes yourself. Yeah. Sometimes it's very frustrating because you think it looks fantastic and then later on a friend pulls it up and they can't find your contact button anywhere. Or it's 15 scrolls down the button that you wanted at the very top. So Monique has hit on a great point right there. We have to make sure that our websites are mobile friendly. Don't just assume because it looks good on your desktop that it looks exactly the same on a phone. And let's just be honest. Most of us, when we're searching other people's sites, we're working on our phone. Most of us are working on our phone. So we got to yeah, check that. Mobile traffic
1: is increasing. People are on their phones most at the time. So um, yeah, it's definitely important to,
0: to optimize for that. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So we've got Google search console. Make sure it's crawled and indexed. Make sure our site is mobile friendly. What's something else that you would tell somebody?
1: Another thing is fast load speed. It's important that the website loads fast. People are impatient. We ain't got no time nowadays. Everything has to be fast. So if the website doesn't load in like under three seconds, probability of people just bouncing back straight to the search results and not even interacting with your site and giving you a chance and waiting for it to load, It's just too high. So you want a fast loading site. And there's a couple of load speed technologies that you can enable to get your site loading faster. There's compression, minification, lazy loading. So you can look into that. If your website is built with a CMS, there's a plugin for that. So you can pretty much get your site optimized for load speed with a click. And then that plugin would go ahead and automatically compress all of your images and decrease the file size causing them to load faster and so on and so on. So that's pretty um, hands off. And even if your site is not built with a CMS, you can still improve your load speed yourself. And you know, there's image compression websites. There's a lot of things that you can do to make your site load faster. There's also tools that you can put your URL in and it's gonna give you really actionable tips. There's a tool by Google, Google PageSpeed, can go check that out. Of course it's free. Pingdom is another tool. What was GT- what do you say the tool was? Pingdom. Ping. Ping. Oh, right. Okay. And Pingdom. then D-O-M? G-D-O-M. GDOM. Okay. Pingdom, that's a speed tool and then GT Metrics. I think Metrics is spelled with a with an x. Okay.
0: GTmetrics.com. That's another tool and yeah, they give you actionable tips. And so Google PageSpeed, Pingdom, and GT Metrics would tell right. you the speed that your site is loading and then would right. give you some suggestions as well?
1: Yes. Okay, right.
0: because you said one of the things we can do, and when she talks about, let me clarify too really quickly, when Monique is talking about plugins, she is talking about sites that are built on WordPress, correct?
1: Yes, WordPress and- or other content management systems or CMSs. There's other content management systems. Most people use WordPress, but if you use Joomla or Squarespace or Wix. Shopify. Right.
0: Exactly. And that's what she's saying is that part of our responsibility is if we go to Google PageSpeed or Pingdom or GT Metrics, and we realize that our pages are not loading three seconds and under, then right. we have to start doing our research and oftentimes it can be fixed with a really quick Google search. You know, right. how to how to increase page speed on a Squarespace or Shopify. There are people who have written about this. So, so we've got to figure that out ourselves if our page speed is slow. Now you said there were three ways that we could check page speed. You said compression, which would be the compression of the pictures, correct? Right. Okay, was there something else I missed? I felt like you said one or two of them. Uh,
1: Lazy loading. So lazy loading, that's another load speed technology that you can enable. Basically, it's some JavaScript code that uh, makes your images load when you reach them, basically. So if you have images at the very bottom of your page, and your visitors would have to scroll far down to reach them, there's no point in loading them initially, right, when the page loads, because they're not going to see them, and they're going to have to wait, like it delays um, the load time. So lazy loading kind of detects where you are with your mouse and how far you've already scrolled down and it loads them immediately before you reach that image so the user doesn't see that they see the image when they scroll down it's yeah it's really nice it's really convenient and it improves your load time a lot yeah and then I- identification there, there's a there, those are algorithms obviously you don't have to code anything or write them yourself you just set it up for your site and then it runs automatically and It minifies everything. It's like when you remember math in school, you can write out an equation super long and super complicated, or you can compress it and minify it and write it out in a much simpler form, so to speak. And that's what, with the code of your website, it can be modified and made simpler and made made shorter to make it load fast.
0: You also mentioned in your notes that another way that we can help with SEO on our website, is the social sharing buttons. So talk to me for a second about that. How does that help with SEO?
1: So that isn't as strong as an indicator as the other things that I've mentioned, but it's definitely a signal too. It shows Google that your users are engaged. They like what they see. They want to share it with their friends. They recommend it. It means that there has to be something good, some good content on your page if they share, share it and get more social engagement and social shares. So there's plugins that give you like this little bar uh, that you can put on the side of your web pages to share it on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and I don't know, WhatsApp, whatever <laughs> you want to put there, right, you can customize it, email, all of those kind of things. So that's really good if you have that on your site if you haven't already. And for e-commerce, put that on there too. You know, Allow people to share that beautiful dress that you're selling and share it with their friends and spread the word and get more visitors, get more traffic, get that engagement going. So yeah, engagement is important. Engagement increases the time on site, right? Google measures how long users spend on your site when they visit your site from search results. So they measure how many seconds, how many minutes they stay. So if the time on site is short, that's an indicator that what they see is maybe not that great. Maybe they didn't find what they were looking for and they jump back to the search result and go visit another page to hopefully get the answer there, right? So if your time on site is longer, that's a good indicator and you get that with engagement. You can also put engaging things on your website, like a calculator. People can type in their values like a mortgage calculator. Um, Activate people, make them active, right? Make your website not just passive, so they can read and look at things. Have like a slider or something in there where, where they can see something moving and, you know, interact with your site and share it on social media. Comments are always nice um, at the bottom of your blog post. Reviews for e-commerce product sites. So, yeah. I have
0: That's never thought it. about that. I did know that engagement and time on site matter. Right. I did know that, but I didn't think about the fact that most of us don't think, well, that means I need to be writing a blog so that people will stay there to read. But there's other ways that we can engage people on our site. And it's, you know, especially if you're product based, and I'm thinking about a lot of my solopreneurs that are creatives, or they sell a certain product line, and they're already strapped for time. So if you mention, well, just create a lot of content with blog, they they come back real quick, you don't understand. I don't have time to be doing that. And, and I actually do understand. It is a lot of work. I like your ideas of finding ways to have customers stay on your site. And of course it needs to be appropriate to your site. You don't just make up random stuff because it comes to user experience. It really does come down to user experience. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk for a second. Let's d- delve a little deeper because most people, when you think SEO, most people are going to say, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about keywords. Mm-hmm. And yes and no, you've already given us lots of stuff to think about with SEO that had nothing to do with keywords. I noticed that. But let's now talk about keywords. What would you tell small business owners when they want to talk about keywords as far as SEO? Right. It's like this. Obviously, keywords are really, really
1: important for SEO, but it's not everything. There's other things to it that we've already talked about. Uh, now, when you want to optimize your for keywords, there's a couple of parameters there. So not every keyword is the same. Some keywords are more difficult to rank for than others. Some are more competitive than others, uh, which means more people want to rank for that keyword. Maybe there's a lot of money to be made for that keyword, like, factors like that. Then keywords have uh, different search volumes. Some keywords get millions of searches every month. Some keywords are only searched for, I don't know, 20 times a month in the United States. So that wouldn't be worth going for, putting all that effort into potentially attracting 20 people to your site, uh, which you don't even know if you're gonna get that, right? So maybe you end up attracting one or two people or none, so that's not worth optimizing for, right? So you gotta make sure that you do keyword research and not just guess your keywords and be like, okay, I saw this and that, that's the keyword that I wanna rank for and target without doing any research. So there's advanced and super fancy tools to do that, but there's also some free tools that are super basic that you can use and do some keyword optimization yourself. Like with everything, SEO sounds so complicated and technical, and it is, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be complicated and overwhelming. It's like, you know, the 80-20 rule, like you can do 80% of things by just knowing 20%. Right. Sure, back to True. Sure. You just need to know a little to make a big difference.
0: That's a great point. And maybe even taking, you've done a good job of giving us some steps. So maybe taking SEO one step at a time. Hey, I'm going to work and make sure that my website is being crawled first and foremost, because you've already said that's the number one thing. We can't talk about anything else. If search engines don't know that your website is alive, then it's not well. It is not alive and well, (laughs) it might as well be dead. You've given us the number one, two, three things we need to do. And so now we're going to talk about keywords. Mm -hmm. That's where most people want to start, but that's not always the best place to start. So talk about, you said there's one or two free ways that we can work with keywords. We can figure out keywords. I'm like you, I've worked with a couple of the expensive tools uh, for another client or two. I don't use them myself in my business. So, and they are, they're expensive and they're robust and they're fantastic. But talk to the small business owner that is not going to have the time or the money. What's one or two free ways that they can start thinking about keywords in terms of their business?
1: Right. Uh, So one of them is Google Trends. A lot of people don't know that it even exists, but there is a site called Google Trends where Google shares the trends when it comes to search. So it shows you what's trending right now, how many people are searching for it, how popular it is, and it shows you a trend. Some keywords have seasonality to them. Uh, there are certain things that are just hype right now and probably won't be like evergreen and won't be able to you know, have that popularity forever. So you can get kind of like a feeling of what to target and what's trending right now and what you want to optimize your website for. Uh, then another one is Google Suggest. Google Suggest is a tool within Google Search. So if you search for something in Google, you might get those suggestions, like those autocorrect options, and it shows you some suggestions, <laughs> and they're actually in order. So the first suggestion is what most people would search for, and then Google thinks, okay, maybe you're looking for that as well. And then the second thing, third, Thing fourth thing so on on the list shows you the popularity and the search volume basically so you know that you know what suggested above the other suggestions has a higher search volume than the other suggestions. Okay.
0: <laughs> no, it does make sense, and I, I want us to stop for just a second and give an example <clears throat> here. The website that we're using is a jewelry designer. She makes beautiful handmade beaded necklaces. Mm-hmm. So to, in order to use a Google suggest and to start figuring out keywords for herself, would she go to Google, just type in beaded necklaces. And then when she hits enter, are there going to be some suggestions right below? Or can we, sometimes, you know, you can scroll all the way to the bottom and say people also searched for, and there's that yeah. list at the bottom right. too. Right. So is that where we would start looking for suggestions too?
1: Yeah. Those type of suggestions are good. And then by performing the search, that's a good thing that you mentioned right now, uh, you can tell the search intent of the keyword. So that's a different thing, search intent. You want to optimize your pages for a keyword, and then you want to actually satisfy users and give them the answers to what they're searching for. So for example, if somebody searches for best yoga mats and you sell yoga mats, you can't optimize your product pages where you sell your yoga mats for that keyword because People just want to know what's the best yoga mat. They want a they want a comparison. They want like an informational piece of content that compares different yoga mats, like maybe a blog article or something like that. Not a product page. They're not ready to buy yet, right? The keyword indicates that. So you want to make sure that the search intent is there. So if you want to rank a product page of a beaded necklace, Google the keyword that you want to optimize for and look at the search results. If that's product pages ranking there from Amazon or you know, other big retailers, uh, most of the time rank on top, then you know, that keyword indicates a buying intent, and you can optimize a product page for it. Also, look at the suggestions for longer tail variations of that Mm. keyword. Most of the time, if you search for a head term, um, a head term keyword, that's a keyword that only consists of like one or two words, it's super generic, like beaded necklace or bead necklace, that's probably really, really competitive and it's very hard to rank for a for small business with a small website or a new website that doesn't have the domain authority and the domain score of like a huge website like Amazon, like all of the big retailers, Walmart. Um, Target. Right, Target, all of those, Best Buy. Those are really powerful. They dominate a lot of the <laughs> um, search results and they're always on top. So the key is to go for longer tail variations of that keyword and get more specific and get more niche, right? That's all it is about. That's what you want to do. You want to dominate your niche. So an example for a long tail variation of the keyword bead necklace would be bead necklace with cross. So that would have four words. If it has three or more words, three, four, five words, that's considered a long tail keyword. And those long tail keywords are less competitive not as many people search for them, not as many websites optimized for them, but that's perfect for you to go for because they're kind of like a lower hanging fruit on a tree. That's how you can imagine them. But you still got to make sure that there's a decent search volume for them. So thousand searches a month or so, that's definitely worth going for and worth optimizing for. And you can find those long tail keywords with a bunch of other tools. Another tool that you can use is Answer the Public. Answer the Public, I do know if you've heard of it, like you just enter a keyword and then it gives you a lot of suggestions and questions what people ask. That's why it's called Answer the Public, right? And it gives you a lot of questions and questions like how to this and that or what is this and that. So, those are always longer tail keywords that have like four or five words within that keyword. And there are question keywords, which is also good because then you can directly answer questions if you go for those question type of keywords. You can get featured, featured snippets, it's a whole other topic. It's one way you can optimize for them the title tag a question and then answer that question in the meta description. If they want to read more, they're going to. Click and come to your site and find the answer because you've optimized for
0: everything. Okay, so let's pause for a second because you laid some really great information on us just now. So help me, I, I'm going to kind of talk back to you and you kind of help me to make sure I understand this. Right. As a business, it's really important that we try to optimize our product pages or any any page really for user experience meaning if they think they're coming there to buy something they need to be able to buy something or mm-hmm. if they think they're coming there to get an answer to a question mm-hmm. well they need to be able to get an answer to a question there. Mm-hmm. So there's several ways that we can then look into keywords. And you said definitely use the Google Trends which is a free thing that Google offers and it helps us to start seeing what people are searching for and what people are talking about. You also said Don't forget to just use Google suggest, meaning go, go to Google, type in what you make or what you do and start looking at what are some of the other suggestions or did you mean or some people searched for. I also love that you pointed out when you go to make that search, what type of pages come up with that phrase or that word? Because if they're not product pages and you're trying to sell something then you probably need to adjust that keyword a little bit, correct? Right. You got to adjust the keyword or you got to adjust the type of content.
1: It's also important point. for our sites to have a place where they can publish informational content, like a blog, like a podcast, whatever it may be, um, where you can put your informational content. I also want to say something before I forget it. Yeah. Go um, ahead. Google is not the only thing that has this suggest feature. So every advanced search has a suggest feature feature. Amazon does the same thing, right? If you search for something on Amazon, you've got those suggestions. So this Amazon suggests eBay has the same thing. So when you're in e-commerce, leverage those suggest features in the search.
0: That is so smart. So you're saying that my friend who's a jewelry designer, if she wants to talk about beaded necklaces, first of all, she goes and realizes how many searches there are for beaded necklaces, which means is extremely competitive. To mm-hmm. be able to rank for beaded necklaces is very slim. So then she's, that. that's one thing that we can definitely notice mm-hmm. too. So then she may start working on long tail keywords, which means you get a little bit more specific. I wrote down your quote that said, you want to dominate your niche. And I love that right. quote because <laughs> that's what we've got to think about with those long-term uh, long tail keywords. I'll get it right, right eventually. Monique <laughs> is get very specific. Beaded necklace with cross. and right. she can use Google suggest. Brilliant idea about Amazon. Go type that in in Amazon. What does it look like? What does other things come up? Love that eBay. Those are brilliant ideas. And then that gives us the idea of okay, I feel good about this. I'm going to go use that on my product page or two or three product pages that I show a beaten necklace with a cross. Does that sound right? Yes. Exactly. (laughs) I told you this episode was jam packed full of information. It was so much fun to sit down with Monique and talk about SEO. Now, because it was full of so much information and it was rather on the technical side, I did decide to take our hour long conversation and break it into two parts. It's important to me, to myself, and for you that I have an episode every time that's full of actions. And so I didn't want it to be so many things that we wouldn't be willing to try something new on our website. So that's why this is part one of two different episodes on SEO. The next one with, Mo- with Monique will come out next week. Before I go any further too, I have to thank my dear friend, Amy Boyle from Grace Girl Beads. She's a dear friend, savvy business owner, and makes some beautiful handmade jewelry. She agreed graciously to allow Monique and I to use her website kind of like a case study. Now, I asked her intentionally because her website was already beautiful. And I happen to know that about a year and a half ago, she moved her website from one platform builder to another one. She now uses Shopify. And even just in that move, she saw a huge uptake in sales because Shopify is designed specifically for e-commerce. So I I knew that she was already fairly happy with her website and would just want us to give her some finer points, make it even better, make it stronger, make it more search engine friendly. So she graciously agreed. And I have to say right now, she didn't ask me to do it, but I am going to give her a little plug. If you love handmade jewelry and you're looking for a gift with a special touch, please go visit her site, Grace Girl Beads. You will not be disappointed. Okay. So you know that at the end of each episode, I like to give a few key takeaways. They're mostly for me, but I do share them with you. Monique was very clear that the first thing we had to do is to make sure that our website is being crawled by Google. Now, we use the word Google a lot in here. We know it's not the only search engine, but it is by far the the one with the largest amount of searches on it every day. So that's why we continue to say Google. If you have a different search engine that you like better, well, you know these tools are gonna be available, but it's gonna be their their version. So, number one, we've got to make sure that our site is being crawled. On Google, to check that, go to Google Search Console Tool. It's free by Google. And it's fairly easy to use, but it helps to make sure that our website has those bots crawling around, making sure I picture it like a toddler, checking out everything. And then they can go back and report exactly what's on our site. That's called indexing. And for a very, another very simple analogy, I picture that like the old library cards, the drawers, where, where you pull it out and you have all those cards. Well, therefore, Google can now file our website and our specific pages in the correct drawer. That's what I visualize in my head. So make sure, number one, that our website is being crawled. You can use the tool Google Search Console tool. Number two, this was something I had not thought about make sure that our sites are mobile friendly. Monique really talked about this a lot, that a part of SEO, search engine optimization, is about user experience. That's something that we often forget. And so we all use our phones a ton now. So we have to make sure that our websites That when people go to our websites from their phone or from other smaller devices, that they're very easy to use. I've learned this lesson many times because I will sit down to work on my site and I work on it on my laptop and forget to check what it looks like on a mobile device. You can do that just old school. Hit save as you're working on your site. Pull it up on your phone. Also, most website Builder platforms have some button or some section that allows you to click mobile and it shows you what it, would it look like from a mobile device. Luckily, we don't have to code that ourselves anymore, not in 2020. So don't forget that step. It's very important and to maybe check it on several different phones. So get your friends and family involved as well, especially if you made a rather big change to your website. Number three. So just a quick reminder, number one, the best thing, the first, most important thing we have to do for SEO is to make sure their websites are being crawled. If that's not happening, nothing else matters. So number two, make sure it's mobile friendly. Monique was specific. It needs to kind of happen in these orders. These are very actionable steps. But the third thing is start checking our load speed. She said that most pages need to load under three seconds. And of course, this is during a search situation. This is when someone is searching and they're just discovering us for the first time. People are a little bit more patient if they have a direct link and they already have an idea of what it is they're gonna see when they get there. Maybe a friend sent them to your website. So I just wanna remind you that we're talking about in a search situation. We want to make sure that our pages load fast. She mentioned three free tools to check our speeds. That is Google Speed. I think it's page speed insights when you pull up the actual site. Pingdom, P-I-N-G, D-O-M, and G T metrics. Those are very easy tools to use. You simply take the URL that you want to check and you put it there and press the button. It will tell you exactly how fast it loads and what are some issues it can be overwhelming though when you start reading the issues i understand and you really may decide that this is above me i'm not really ready to tackle some of the very technical things that may be holding back the speed of your of your page load and that's when you will reach out to monique at dragon digital marketing and say hey i need your help with this but i will say that sometimes you will realize it's image loading. And if it's image loading, that's normally something we can fix with compressing that image, meaning we're going to make it not weigh quite so much, not take up quite so much space without altering the picture. If you're working on WordPress, you're going to buy a plugin that allows you to compress your images. And then on other website builders like Squarespace and Wix, sometimes that is handled for you already. Sometimes it's not. I do love a free site called Tiny P-N-G, T-I-N-Y, capital P-N-G. It's a cute little panda there. You can compress images for free there up to five megabytes. So if the image is bigger than that, you will have to pay a subscription. But I think it's like $20 for a whole year. There was a year that I used PNG a lot on a project that I was doing, and it was well worth the subscription because I didn't have to worry about how large an image was. I could put it there, it would compress it, and I could move on. If image compression is the issue, look for plugins, check your website builder if you're using something like Squarespace, Wix, Shopify. Google that and see if there are some fixes that you can do inside the website platform. Or check out something like Tiny PNG that allows you to compress images before you put them on your website. Now, the final thing she talked about was long tail keywords. And that's something I think all of us just immediately think that's what SEO means. But it's just a part of SEO. And she really encouraged us to think about long tail keywords, not just basic keywords like marketing, beaded necklace. Most of us are not going to have sites old enough that we would ever rank for those. So we've got to think about long tail keywords. So instead of just beaded necklace, we're going to go beaded necklace with cross. Now we're getting very specific. And I like what Monique said we have to dominate our niche. And when you think about it like that, then you're able to get in your head about those long tail keywords. Now, she gave us two really good suggestions. First, use Google, put in some basic keywords, and then start looking at the other options that come up. Did you mean or other people search for? She also said, don't forget, use Amazon and eBay and Target and Walmart, places like that too, that have sophisticated search engines built in that will also give you suggestions for how to stretch out that keyword and not just use beaded necklace. Another really fun tool that she talked to us about was ask the public. Now that tool is so much fun. You, it's free, go to ask the public, simply Google that, go there. Put in your, your rather bland, very general keyword, beaded necklace. And then when you press start, it will come up with all of these things that people are searching surrounding that phrase beaded necklace. And there's four tabs across it. The first tab is like questions. So once you put in beaded necklace, it'll come up with like, how do you make a beaded necklace? What is a beaded necklace? where do I find beaded necklaces? Then another tab is prepositions. So beaded necklaces near me. I really love the preposition. Then I think it has something like comparisons. It's the third tab and it will say something like beaded necklaces or bracelet. And then the fourth one, the fourth tab on Ask the Public was alphabeticals. So it takes the phrase beaded necklaces And then the next couple of words behind it and put it in alphabetical order. So for example, underneath E, it says beaded necklaces, eBay, beaded necklaces, and earrings. So do you notice how it took beaded necklaces? And then we had E for eBay and E for earrings. It has a ton of lists. It goes to the whole alphabet like that. So if you are trying to figure out how to stretch, take your keyword and then get very niche specific Ask the public is a great place to go and start playing around with that. Now, next episode with Monique, we're going to get very specific then about what what are the next steps taking these long tail keywords and putting them into our website. How do we do that so that we have a chance to come up in a Google search? We're also going to talk about local SEO because there's some of us that are brick and mortar. And we want to be sure that we are found when someone searches for something in our area. So we're going to talk about local SEO. Now, last two things before I say goodbye for this episode. If you like this podcast or if you like this specific episode, don't forget to rate or review us. You know the power of rating and reviews. Or be sure to tell a friend. You also know that word of mouth marketing is king. Okay, and the last thing. This past week, I published my online course called Creating an Ideal Customer Story. This online course is for us business owners who are tired of wondering, what do I write? Or we're tired of feeling that imposter syndrome like, Who am I to be selling this? Who am I to be teaching this? See, the thing is, is when we get really clear with ourselves about who we want to serve, and then we create a story, we get to really know this person well, and we write it down in a story form, then we don't wonder so much anymore about what to say to them. And we also are less likely to struggle with imposter syndrome because we're now very clear about who we're serving. We're not worried about anybody else reading that email or reading that social post or landing on that product page. We know who that product page, that email and that social post was written for. And when we know that, that brings confidence and we're less likely to struggle with that imposter syndrome and we're less likely to wonder what do I write today so if that course sounds interesting to you head to my website inspiretoengage.com backslash online courses you'll see it there it's called Creating an Ideal Customer Story. It's nineteen ninety nine, and it's about an hour and a half long. It's really designed for you over a weekend to get clear and confident and focused. I wrote it with somebody like me and you in mind. Okay, we'll talk next episode again about SEO. Until then, I hope you have a great week. Bye.